Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. It is Saturday morning, and as usual, I'm drinking a hot cup of Bottom Gun Coffee from my friends at BottomGunCoffee.com as I record this episode. I have another great show lined up for you, but before we get started, I just wanted to mention that we are having a sale on my website. From now until Christmas, all of my books will be on sale. So go to my website and enter the discount code ELF20, that's E-L-F-20, to get 20% off your order and domestic shipping is free on my website. So any one of my books will make a great gift for the leader or future leader in your life. So head on over to johnsrenny.com to get your books before the Christmas rush and remember to use ELF20 to get 20% off your order. Now, if you're looking to support what I do on the show, please visit one of my sponsors at BottomGunCoffee.com and EyeOfTheWatch.com, and both of those sponsors use the discount code DEEP at checkout. Well, that's it. Today, my guest is Paul Gunn Jr. Now, one of the things I love about doing this podcast is I get to meet amazing people doing very interesting things, and Paul is one of those people. He is the founder and CEO of Quahog Corporation and the author of a new leadership book called Succeed the Right Way. Paul helps us understand what it takes to build long-term success and how to do it the right way. I know you're going to enjoy this discussion. So, are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Paul Gunn, Jr. Paul is the founder and CEO of Kuag Corporation. He is the author of a new book called Success the Right Way, What Every Compassionate Business Person Must Know. In this book, he helps leaders see how qualities like empathy, compassion, and kindness are critical to achieving long-term success. I'm excited to have him on the show to talk about this new book and his company and all things about leadership. So, Paul, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, John. Yeah, it's great to uh, to meet you, to have you on the show, and I'm really interested to talk to you about your new book. But before we get started, I wanted you to tell us a little bit about uh, your company and what you do. It's a pretty unique uh, company, and I'm kind of curious to know how you started it and um, you know what you guys actually do. Well, it, it falls in line to a lot of what you did. So one, thank you for serving and allowing freedom for us to uh, 
to have this. And, you know, I come from a military family and I hear his son serving as well. And that is kind of the genesis and premise of why we do what we do. Uh, we are a military supplier and we help buy the different materials that help the warfighter get home. That can be from tires, um, shields, anything that goes in a tank, in an aircraft, all the way down to the boots. And just um, food and, and regular supplies that go to help the warfighter. Well, that's fascinating. So you are providing uh, materials to the military. Is it is it Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, or across the board? It's across the board. Wow. And, and our allies and, and every now and then will step in for natural disasters, like some hurricane issues that would go on. Rico and some of the stuff that's going on with COVID, we we've been able to step in and help there. Wow, um, that's fascinating. So how how does one Paul? How does one get into this kind of a business? It's um, it's uh, pretty fascinating. I mean, of course, I was on the military side of things, and to be honest with you, I have no idea where parts and pieces came from. Right, so we would just place some a requisition in, and things would just show up. And you're the one behind the scenes making it happen. How did you get involved with this? So this was interesting. When when the towers first went down, my brother went in the Corps, and then I was going to go in as an officer. I wanted to fly the planes. And I guess at that time they told me, look, at 6'6", six, six, you can't fit in the, uh, the fighter jet. So I said, okay, fine. But long story short, I didn't know you could be denied, or at least I was told I was denied because I had plantar fasciitis in my foot. So when he came back about four after doing his four years, my dad was a former DCA auditor, and he made the suggestion saying, hey, had you and your brother ever considered going into business and him being a service-disabled veteran and supporting the military? So he kind of just said it in passing, but it was enough to spark our interest. So when we went in and did it, we went in looking to search to find some of the smallest parts and different items we could get just to get our foot in the door. And what happened was it wound up turning the a line that we're really good at. And kind of a lot of the way they're buying products now through those different vehicles like BPA, IDIQs. But it started on kind of a curiosity from our dad saying, you want to consider this. My brother's MOS in the Marines was uh, for logistics. And at that time, I had sourcing materials that went into some of the gaming systems that a lot of kids were using at that time. So we put two and two together and said, let's take a crack at it. And, and we swung and we had some success. Wow. But yeah. what, what really stuck to me was as we were doing it, I think it, it was one contract we were on. And it, that's when it hit home to me. A guy was putting in our Comcast at home and we got to talking. He was a Marine and he was in one of the units that we helped retrofit. And he said, it saved his life. So he went on for four or five minutes just thanking me. And that's when I realized I already had a passion for it because when my brother was serving 
half the time I just wanted him to be home. So I was always curious, who's giving them their material? Are they giving it to him? And is he going to get home? And I know material doesn't get everybody home, but it puts them in a better position. And when this Marine thanked me over and over again for being a, a part of what was put into that to help save his life, it really struck home saying this is more than just ordering materials. He, he, it meant a lot and I don't take it lightly at this position. So to me, it was ability to be able to serve our war fighters even though I wasn't able to get into the military. Yeah, that's fascinating. I, you know, you're right. I mean, if I think about the, the equipment we had around us while I was deployed on a submarine, uh, we depended on it for our lives, our very lives, right? It kept the kept the seawater out. It kept the, uh, you know, the weapons safe. It, uh, you know, we, it, it got us home, you know, from being deployed for, you know, three months in the Atlantic. Uh, it We got home safe every time. And it was due to the good, you know, the good equipment that we had. Of course, it was, you know, the training, the people and, the, and, and all that. But we had good, good equipment and that equipment kept us safe. And uh, so, yeah, you're an integral part of that uh, war fighting capability when you're talking about procurement of critical parts and pieces for the military. Yeah, and it really means a lot. Like you said, and, and you're confirming, there's so much training going on. And it makes a tough situation a little bit better when you have those critical items and depending on. So when things do go wrong, it does. It's something that I do take personally because I'm thinking of, well, whose family being affected if this can't get delivered or something messes up because of a part not getting delivered or something going wrong. So they, it does matter. It matters a lot to me when, when I take an order on and making sure it goes all the way through. And when it doesn't go right, I mean, it's normal business as part of being an entrepreneur, but there's something extra that you take personal when yes. when it doesn't go the way it's supposed to. Yeah, yeah. The, so, yeah, the, the the you know, it's it's life or death, right? So, yeah. when it comes to the military, and um, so yeah, you can't. There's very little room for error when it comes to you know the quality and the timeliness of the delivery of the material. So uh, that's that's powerful. Wow. Uh, it, and, and it's funny because I, I, you know, as even as an entrepreneur myself, I wouldn't even have dreamed of going into that business because it seems like it would be very difficult to get your foot in the door and understand the way, you know, the government procures, you know, components and pieces and parts. And, and uh, so, you know, congratulations on doing it and congratulations on your success so far, because that's uh, no easy task. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. And it wasn't. We went in basically going after the scraps. And at that time, it, a lot of the contracts were being met as services. So all of us trying to think outside the box was, well, where is nobody really going after contracts right now? So let's go look. So we would read a lot on what the government was doing, what they were buying, the services they were buying. And stay ahead knowing that if we went in trying to get the contracts that the people have already built in and it takes two three years to get those relationships we were probably fighting a losing cause but if we were looking to where they were heading and what people weren't looking at at that time it would put us in a better position so that's the way we looked in and we spent our time 
building relationships on the front end. I mean, it's key to any business, but we know on the front end, we probably weren't going to get a contract two years in until two years in or two and a half years in, but we would spend that front line trying to get people to know us and understand us and see we would be the same people on the front end, whether we had the contract or not. Yeah, that's powerful. So for entrepreneurs listening in, you know, how do I start my business? Well, there's a couple of lessons there. One is find where there's opportunities, find where there's, you know, a, a crack that you can get yourself into. And maybe it's small in the beginning. Uh, and so find a way to get in where the big guys aren't playing, number one. And the second lesson you talked about there is, you know, build up your reputation and make sure you know the people in the industry and make sure they know who you are. And it may take as you mentioned, you know, several years before you get your first contract or land your first big, uh, big account, but you do the, you know, you got to do that hard work uh, in the beginning uh, to build up your brand, build up your reputation. And so, yeah, that's powerful. And uh, yeah. And, and it's, uh, it's great, great lessons in, in uh, entrepreneurship, but uh, that's how you do it. That's how our business succeeded too, was just finding where, where the big guys weren't playing and how could we be successful in those areas? So find that niche, get in there and build a brand. And uh, yeah, so it's great. That's great to hear. And uh, uh, it's good. It's good to hear your, your success uh, or your methods of success, very similar to what I, I've found as well. That's fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so let me switch gears a bit. You've got a new book out and I really want to talk about that. So and you really you really piqued my interest when I saw you talking about uh, leading the right way, or in this case, your book's called Succeeding in the Right Way and uh, What Every Compassionate Business Person Must Know. And you you hit me, you hit, you know, you're right in the center of my target zone when I heard the title of the book and what you talk about, because there's something that I I teach uh, when I teach uh, graduate students, when I'm writing my books, when I'm when I'm teaching other business uh, owners and leaders, it's uh, it's that leadership is a people business, and you are hitting that right in the middle of the target. So, first of all, what was the genesis of writing this book? Why did you decide to put pen to paper and uh, write a leadership book? Hey, that's a great question, John. I, so when COVID hit. And then I realized it was going to be here for a while and there was a possibility for shutting down. I realized, well, if the government shuts down, if our line of business shuts down, what's going to happen? And while all the different things were going on, the social injustices, people losing their jobs, it just was starting to leave an effect on me. So I said, what can I do? sustain myself if something was to go up well let me start writing so i started to write on forbes and just talk about what would i hope would happen to leaders coming out of a pandemic because so many people were affected this this didn't touch race religion it just man, touched humanity and it wasn't until i wrote the article on entrepreneur empathy wins and selling doesn't that I received a ton of back emails and contact mm-hmm. about, Hey, this really matters. Can you talk more about it? And then I saw that this, this may have something there. And all while doing this initially, what really did it was I didn't know if I was going to catch COVID. I didn't know if this was something that could take me out. So we do have young children and I wanted to leave it 
as a legacy saying if something happened to me this is how dad thought this is how i think if you go in this world make sure you leave an impact to help other people and this is how i had my success that's what started it and then as i began to write it and see others responding to that article i said okay let me put more out and show this is how I had my success. This is how I, I would view and hope that others would see that and lead forward because so many people are going to come out of the pandemic with certain viewpoints. And we hope that the leaders will step in and either speak more on it or the youth that see this now will see something that they want to make a change and lead with. And not all youth may know that this was a, a way to succeed because there's so many different ways to succeed. Let me just tell my story. Maybe it may help someone else in that process. I love it. I love it. And and what you said is really powerful for those who are listening and thinking about writing um, is that you were writing articles, you were writing articles in Forbes and one was one that just sort of resonated with a lot of people. And that was the sort of genesis of saying, well, wait a second, maybe this, people want to hear more about this and this could be a book in and of itself. And I can tell you for me, that's the same thing I wrote. I wrote articles for eight years and uh, one of my articles just was shared all over the country, uh, all over the world, uh, you know, with 150,000 uh, views and, uh, and comments and just, it went crazy. And that's the genesis of the, my second book, All on the Same Boat, was based on that article that I had written uh, and uh, that got so much attention. And so, but I think, you know, the lesson for writers who are thinking about writing is, you know, you got to, just like with anything else, just like if you want to be a great leader, you have to practice leadership. If you're going to be a great writer, you got to practice writing. And um, you don't know what's going to resonate, but it takes a while to find your voice in writing and I think for me, at least, I found writing articles helped me find what my voice was and what I wanted to tell the world. And it sounds like you had that exact same situation where you're writing and then suddenly one just resonated and, and you had you had found your voice and you found your message. And it sounds like that's what this book is. Exactly. Because at first I was writing saying, oh, I don't know, I'm a real private person. And then to go on social media was already a big thing. But I realized if everything went up, so you had to make a digital footprint and form, you're going to have to have it going forward, I think, for success. So writing the first one is like, well, I'm not a writer. I don't know anything. I don't know if yeah. it's going to resonate. So it did give me some confidence to say, okay, this may work because I didn't have any real critique up until that point until you get feedback from people who you don't even say something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's great. I love it. That's a great, it's a great inside. It's like an inside baseball story about how, what it's like to write a book is sometimes, it's yeah. just, you know, and then you write and you're like, I don't know if anyone's going to like this or what. And uh, exactly. And when you get that baby, you know, when you have a, your first book is like a baby, you launch it in the world and you're like, Please love my baby. <laughs> you yeah, know? And, exactly. uh, and, and so one of the things I don't do is I don't read any negative reviews on Amazon because I just don't want to, I don't want you to tell me about my ugly baby. So, <laughs> yeah. so but uh, I love that. Um, you know, you, you, the book is called Succeed the Right Way. And I was going to ask you, like, what's the wrong way? What, what are people doing, whether it's business leaders, entrepreneurs, whether it's government leaders, 
what are they doing wrong today? So I, I, I would, would say, I don't know if I view things maybe as wrong or as just, there's a better way to do it because, ah, like and, and, yeah, and see, I haven't served in the military and I want to want to cross lines to know. And I, I, I would speak from my own experience. The, those people who have left the biggest impact on me, aside from my parents and family, have been former veterans and military personnel. And th- speaking to this is a lot of what was shown to me in that way of leadership. So I, I would say it, you read a lot of stuff that goes on in terms of what could be classified as wrong. You want your employees to show empathy. You want them to be kind. You want them to be on time, do their work, be a team player. And then you don't hold the leader. And in my mind, I consider that a boss because a leader is going to step in and do these very things that you talk about or or as it wrote in this book. But a boss is going to, more want to be a tyrant and demand these things, but not lead and show. So in that sense, it's someone in a role in the, in the short, who's asking people to, to do something that they themselves won't do where a leader stepping in and saying, as best I can, I'm going to live what I preach. I'm going to make mistakes, but I'm also going to get in the ring with you all and seek advice and improve everyone as a team. And you talk about that in your book. And when I read on so many articles, like being on that sub, you learn how to get the best from everybody, work as a team and get the mission done. And from veterans, that is the one thing I've learned and have received well. And I've always appreciated that because knowing that I didn't serve, I'm always for the most part received from the veteran community as I'm not going to say an equal, but it's appreciated where I'm reciprocated this empathy and kindness. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. One ping only, please. As I thought, John Rennie's new book, All in the Same Boat, is right over there. It's at allinthesameboatbook.com. Your orders are to get there now. And remember, be careful what you shoot at. Most things in here don't react too well to bullets. Is your boss a jerk? I understand you're in the hospital, but I'm going to need you to come in today. Do they lack any ability to actually lead people? Oh, it's fine. I'll I'll just find somebody else that can do it, okay? John is offering a new service just for you. For only $10, he will anonymously mail a copy of his best-selling book, I Have the Watch, to your boss with a personal note. Go to IHaveTheWatch.com and enter the discount code BOSS at checkout. Deep Leadership is brought to you by the Bottom Gun Coffee Company. Bottom Gun is owned and operated by U.S. submarine veterans, and no one knows coffee better than the men and women who serve long hours keeping watch under the sea. Bottom Gun Coffee Company has a variety of coffee blends designed to keep you moving. From Ahab's Revenge, extremely strong coffee, to their morning blend, Bottom Gun purchases only premium, certified, organic coffee beans from all over the world to create the finest tasting coffee you will ever experience. Bottom Gun is offering a discount to the listeners of Deep Leadership. Go to BottomGunCoffee.com and enter the discount code DEEP at checkout. Bottom Gun Coffee, the taste that's qualified. 
Yeah, that's that's good. I, I, I like what you're saying there. There's a better way to do it. And I think you're right. What we see a lot of times with leaders is they, or as you say, bosses, right? They're, yeah. they think they're better than, other than, than their teams. Uh, they're special. They have us, you know, they have special privileges. Uh, they have us, you know, they have a parking spot. Uh, you know, they have, uh, you know, an air conditioned, well-lit office and maybe the people in the factory are working in, you know, uh, n- with no air conditioning and it's hot and it's, uh, you know, dimly lit and, you know, and so it's, they're, you're not, they're not in it. They're not in the same, like I, in, in my terminology, they're not all in the same boat together, right? They're, they're, there's some people being treated differently and, and, and acting differently and thinking they're better. When the truth of the matter is, is that the real value in any organization are the people that are doing the work, the people that are, they're, they're, they're actually touching the products or talking with the customers or answering the phones. That's actually your most important employee, not the one in the corner office, right? They're, the, the one in the corner office may have the title and may have the perks, but the people that are really adding value are the people on the front lines adding value to the company. And I think a lot of bosses don't recognize that they think they're better than, than everybody else. And, uh, and I think, I think you're correct to, to note that at least in the military, we were all in it together, right? Whether we were an officer, senior enlisted, junior enlisted, we were all in the same boat, um, you know, we didn't have many special privileges. We, we all, when we, you know, when, when things went well, we all enjoyed success. When it went bad, we all suffered. And it was just, that's the way it was. We were all in it together. There was no special treatment. And I think that's a better way to lead than thinking that you're better than everybody else. Exactly. And I correct me, what was that movie with Matthew McConaughey on the sub, the U671? It just, I don't remember it. Exactly. But I, for example, if you're down there and you got water coming in and someone, whether they're the junior or senior, gives you the correct solution to do it, you're not going to really be thinking about a title. If it's the right answer and the person's down there who does it and you lead said, OK, if you feel it's going to get done, do it. And then everybody you shut off the water and that piece of the sub is saved. Then that's a leader stepping in saying, okay, we trust you. You do it. You're down here. You know it better than me. Make the call and do it. And I find like, yeah, that's that's showing empathy and kindness and being able to let someone take the lead who's, who's on the line, who knows it better, who may know it better than you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If someone's going to stop the water from coming in the sub, I don't care what your rank is. Exactly. <laughs> Make it happen. So, so um, I was going to ask you, you say that the, uh, this is really nice. I really like the way you said this and I'm going to, I'm going to quote you. You said the path to, uh, you say the path to massive lasting and peaceful success is not one of domination and defeat. It's a path walked by a quiet warrior whose weapons are caring and compassion. I really like that. What do you mean by that? I love it. So that, that to me strikes it, and I'll use it in the military sense. When they send in those teams to go get people, you don't hear them, you don't see them. And then by the time they've made their noise, they're, they've already done what they needed to do and get out and help people. So you have felt their presence 
before you may have necessarily seen it. And that goes into touching on the hearts of other people. How do you walk in and make someone who may not have been seen or heard in an organization or by speaking to them, by making them feel seen and heard, they then step up their game, for lack of a better word, and start contributing and being a team player because others are seeing it, they themselves seeing it. You haven't been overbearing. You've just simply done something kind to somebody without making a lot of noise. You haven't done it for attention. You haven't done it for accolades. Then you start creating a culture inside your organization to where they see a leader stepping in living what they're preaching, all do, doing it without being the loud person in the room. And it's it's usually the quiet, calm people that are taking time to notice others that are making such big impacts. So it's, it's kind of being the one whose actions speak louder than their words was kind of the gist, the short gist of that. I love that. That's really good. You know, it's, it's funny because you know, to, to be a leader like that, it doesn't really take a lot of extra effort to care and to, and to notice people. And I remember I was leaving one organization and I had an employee come up to me and she said, you know, I have to tell you that you've, you, in my entire life, you've been my f- most favorite boss. And I just smiled and I said, why is that? I'm just curious because I, I don't know why. And she said, because you smile and you say, please, please and thank you all the time. And I thought, well, isn't that the way we should live as people? I mean, it's not, that's not a leadership quality. That's just being courteous and kind uh, to, to others, right? And just normal, you know, human interaction, right? But it's, but it's sad to hear that many bosses don't even do that. They, they almost assume that, well, these are, these are my servants, you know, do what I say, not, uh, not, and not really be interested in their, uh, and who these people are working for them. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. I like that. That's very powerful. Um, you, you mentioned COVID. So I want to talk a little bit about that. How how um, how has COVID affected how we think and, and treat people in, in business? How, how has that uh, become more important now that we've kind of all gone through the past two years together? So I'll, I'll give an example for some of the stuff I've seen just personally interacting daily. So I would say before COVID, it, it felt like many times when you would meet a new person or contact, it's to stand, oh, hey, how you doing? Okay, yep, good. Let's get to the conversation. Even though I would genuinely be asking to want to understand that's just how I am and want to know. And I would say after COVID and enduring this, I feel people are emotionally charged in the sense somebody has lost a family member or knows someone who has the COVID or somebody's in the hospital or lost a job. They are emotionally charged. And if you stop and ask, how are you doing? What's going on? Many times you can either sense it or pick it up. And there's an opportunity to connect quickly and deeply on those initial conversations. And if that's not enough, getting on a Zoom and their kids are in the background or other stuff's going on, you're kind of dealing it front and center. You have no real choice in my mind to just sit there and say, all right, let's put the business down for a second and talk how you're doing it. And I feel people's ears are being more receptive to having a human conversation and kind of letting 
out what's going on with them and how they can connect deeper on those initial conversations than, than taking a longer time to get there or completely glossing over it altogether. I think you're right. And and I think we as leaders, we have to know that. Like we have to sense, you mentioned that, being empathetic and sensing when someone, you know, like something's not right and you have that, you can have that conversation. Uh, and I think too often we, we want to get down to business, right? And yeah. in the past two years, we've all been impacted in some way. Uh, and um, so we're all feeling it. I mean, the amount of uh, stress and anxiety, you know, just forget about even, the, you know, the COVID and the health concerns, just being locked down and, and uh, people are dealing with stress, anxiety, uh, family issues, what have you. It's, um, yeah, it's a tough time. So having that empathetic, being able to be an empathetic observer of your employees or the people you're working with or your people you're doing business with just to be able to sense where something's off and having that personal conversation, I think, is really powerful. Exactly. And I think a lot of people, I'm going to say in a general sense, I think people confuse sympathy and empathy and they're two different things and nice and kind as two different things. See, a kind leader is going to step in and be aware of what may be going on, but they're not necessarily going to make a decision to be agreeable with so they can be like, because that's almost taken. You're not showing empathy and kindness to want to be agreed on because you're concerned how you're going to be perceived or liked. That is nice by its own definition and kind the way I view it is you're still able to make the tough decisions, step in and do it, but you can be mindful of the things that are going on. It may be delaying something where you sense and see your employees aren't going to be able to all come back right now because of what's going on. If they're in a certain area in the city where you're living, where it was affected, then making a decision, albeit tough, may be the right thing to help them and showing that you care about them. It's not weak, it's strength. And to be able to show a little bit of vulnerability to show that you care, it's not a weak thing. And I feel that where some people may get that confused. Yeah, I think you're right. There's a difference between nice and kind. There's a yep. difference between, and and vulnerability is not weakness. And I think yeah. you're 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 spot on with that. Vulnerability is as the ability, you know. I think a lot of times is to say, look, I don't know the answer to this, or I don't, or you know what, you you've been doing this longer than me. What do you think? That's being vulnerable. That's that's saying I'm not the expert uh, as as the boss, you know. And some bosses will never do that. They they you know they think they're the expert at everything, and kind of they miss out on you know, tapping into that powerful wisdom of the people around them. They've been doing it for years, right? And you have exactly. to be vulnerable if you're going to tap into that knowledge base, that experience base that's surrounding you. You know, I always think it's always funny when you see companies that hire consultants and the first thing they do is they run, they run the consultants will run to the most experienced employees and ask them what's going on and what needs to be changed. Then they write a report and present it to the boss. And the boss is like, this is fantastic, you know, that's exactly <laughs> what I mean. But the boss could have done it, you know, him or herself, right, by going and talking to their people. And they don't do that. They instead hire a consultant. It always frustrated me when I work for big companies is that 
when I see the results of a consultant, I'm like, wait, we, we knew all this. <laughs> yeah. It was, isn't this obvious? Am I the only one not seeing this? So yeah. it's always frustrating me is that the answers reside inside your four walls. If you're willing to stop and listen and talk and, and get to know people. Exactly. Yeah. You, um, we, you talked about servant leadership and I, I was curious to know what, how you view servant leadership. To, to me, servant leadership is being mindful on a human level of the others that are on your team, viewing it as a collaborative unit. And I used that basically saying, imagining myself if I was part of a military unit saying, okay, what do we all have to do to win? I think that book, Extreme Ownership, and the viewpoint I will take on it, I know others may disagree. When I read that, and read how they train SEALs, how they work on a team together, and then they complete the mission. And then when they left, they go into these corporate environments and they have to have difficult conversation. But if you were reading what they were talking about, they had to listen, they had to hear, they had to assess everything was going on. And they showed compassion and kindness in their response to these leaders in these corporations and to get some of them, which were hard nosed, not to want to listen, that, that took a certain style of leader to go in and understand that saying, look, consider everyone that's on your team. You in this role are not really doing that. So they, in my mind, they were thinking as a unit. And that to me is a, is a great example of what an empathetic leader may be. And I'm not saying any sense that they're weak. I don't think any of those guys yeah. are. And I wouldn't even think most people think that they are either, but their style of going in there to do it. I view that as this is the perfect example of what an empathetic leader does. He's going. They're going to go in there, tell you something hard that you don't want to hear, but they're going to deliver it in a compassionate way because they are taking a servant leadership style to think of everyone involved to get it done. I love it. Yeah, that's so powerful. You know, we, you know, we think, you know, a lot of times business leaders, you, you know, I, I teach a lot of, uh, I go talk to MBA programs a lot. And, um, you know, we don't, we don't necessarily teach leadership in MBA programs. We teach strategy and we teach, uh, you know, uh, law, we teach marketing and sales and operations and, and at the end of the day, though, none of those things really matter. What 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 gets our what what makes our business successful are people. It's the people yes. that are around us. It's it's hiring, retaining, uh, motivating. You know, great people to do difficult things. And if you don't have those, if you don't have that, uh, you know, if you're not empathetic and you're not able to. Uh, communicate and and have conversations with those valuable employees. You're going nowhere. Your plans mean nothing. Your strategy is useless if you don't have the people to execute on that strategy. So yeah, the seals get it right. Uh, yeah. If they're going to get their their if they're going to complete their mission and get home safe, they need everyone to work together to get it done. And that was my experience in the military as well too. Everybody was important to the mission. And I think in corporate sometimes, or some leaders, or I would say some bosses think that, no, not everybody's important. Um, we can outsource that, or we'll just get rid of that, or that's not that critical. 
Whereas uh, I would say more like the servant leadership, as you mentioned, they see everyone adds value to the mission. And uh, you can't you can't ignore even the smallest detail if you want to be successful in a in a SEAL operation or in my case, a, a submarine underneath the ocean. It's very critical that everybody works together to, towards the mission. Exactly. And that's part of why I, I wrote kind of my story. It's, it's me saying these were all the different things that helped me succeed and the different examples that I encountered utilizing it more kind of as my story that may be able to help somebody in reading it and seeing it done or how I view certain circumstances and some of the examples given as showing this is how empathy can play a part in business it. and in life. I love it. That's great. That's fantastic. Well, Paul, this has been really exciting. Uh, so how can people find out more about you and your new book? Well, they, um, I am on LinkedIn under um, Paul L. Gunn Jr. for Cool Corporation. And the book right now is on Kindle, on Amazon, and Nook. But it's going to be released a hard copy at 1123 um, at all major retailers, uh, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, and all the different ones. It's distributed by Simon & Schuster. So anywhere they can find it. And then if they go online under Paul um, there's a free empathy guide. And if they sign there, they should be able to download it. But if anybody wants to email, I have other free downloads I can give them as well. So it'll it, it give me their information there. Okay, that's fantastic. So we're going to put links uh, to all your resources uh, on in the show notes so people can reach out to you, take that empathy guide. I think that's fantastic. Uh, and then look out for this book uh, being out in major retailers uh, soon, but it's available now. Uh, and we're going to we're going to put links to that. So, uh, again, the book is Succeed the Right Way, What Every Compassionate Business Person yes. Must Know. And I think that's a really important uh, topic for leaders today. So thank you, Paul, for being on the show. And thank you for sharing your experiences and uh, your insights on leadership. Anytime. Thanks for having me on here and for all you're doing. Thank you. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care.
Miles, are you ready to record our promo for Season 2 of the Wanna Bet Podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that Season 2 starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wanna Bet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. So no more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric Acid. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electric Acid. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of Electric Acid Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electric Acid to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to ElectroCast.com and join our community today. ElectroCast. Transform your influence. ElectroCast.